Welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Elder Scrolls Legends. This episode is sponsored by Team Rankstar and Inked Gaming. Visit TeamRankstar.com for all the latest Tesla news, and visit Inked Gaming and use the code TRS12 to get 12% off your next order of customized gaming gear. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Elder Scrolls Legends. I'm your host, Mark Lutz, from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And with me today, um, I have two awesome, awesome guests, and one who's working his way into being more of a co-host than guest. Um, with me today, I have a British streamer, ASMR artist extraordinaire, a little Jamie, and I also have with me um, Masters Series uh, competitor, um, just uh, in, incredible deck builder, uh, Kara Kanjul with me um, today. Man, this is, this is all across the world. It's not too often. Well, this will be the first time I've ever recorded and there's more people in Europe than there are in the States. That's uh, that's new territory for me. Um, but let's hear about you guys and how you guys are doing. Um, Kara, how are you doing, man? It's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm doing great. Uh, so ever since the Master Series, I decided to take a little break from competitive decks and all that. So I've been playing a lot of maybe stuff on ladder. So... If I don't stream that often, but if you manage to catch my stream, you can see like some of the dumb things I've been playing. Like I've played a lot of self-harm warrior, a lot of kitchen sink dominion. Uh, I hosted a deck what tournament. What is kitchen sink dominion? It's a dominion deck that has everything. Uh, so it literally has everything. It has support. It has uh, curse energy. It has uh, wax and wane. It's control with ice storms and mirac. It has altar. It's it's really fun deck. And it's <laughs> yeah, that's the deck you beat me with yeah. on ladder the other day. Yep, yep. <laughs> you should try it out. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sure I should. So yes. It wasn't fun to lose to. <laughs> <laughs> you never knew what to expect. It was, it was like, what is this deck strategy? Does this deck have a strategy? What is happening? Yeah, it just has everything. Uh, actually, it's not my deck. Um, I was hosting a deck tournament where people can uh, submit uh, their decks and I would uh, choose the most fun ones and I would play them on stream. Uh, and that was the deck that won. Uh, so like, it's not my original idea. It was a credit to Doffy King, if he's listening to that. Uh, that was his deck, but I just found it insanely fun and quite strong as well. I've been bringing it to Warp Metas. Uh, but it just keeps getting banned, so I don't get to play it. Uh, so uh, I kind of lose with the other things that I've been playing. I play a lot of Ram Scout right now, Self Harm Warrior, and yeah, mostly the Dominion. Well, yeah, you are you are playing a lot of non-mainstream meta decks right now, a lot of off-meta stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I met. Go ahead. So yeah, like that's. That, that's what I enjoy. I enjoy playing off meta decks. Like you, you'd never see me play what I consider like the most popular decks. Uh, like when Telvani and Tribunal were the most popular, I would never play them. 
I, I usually try to counter the meta uh, with I, I just don't find uh, that much fun in playing uh, at least that everyone else is playing. I, I, I just want to be I, I don't want to go with the flow. I want to be a little bit different. Yeah, well, even in the decks that you brought to the Master Series here in 2019, um, you know, many of those decks were hard to even classify as I was going through your decks and, and I tried to classify them for the podcast. And I was like, I can't figure out what the, what is the goal of what is, you know, what do you call this? Like, you know, just uh, I, I think specifically your Crusader deck, which I thought at first was an aggro deck, but it then it is kind of an aggro deck but it isn't kind of an aggro deck it's like burst crusader it was um there was definitely some unique stuff that you brought to the highest level tournament that you could possibly bring decks to yeah, yeah. and i think there is a lot of value that uh, when people don't like they kind of get a general idea of what you're you're supposed to do but you can also do more stuff so like the crusader it's obviously a red aggro crusader but it also has the burst potential and can like if, if uh, your opponent never hits you in the face you're gonna eventually establish a huge combo uh so there's a lot of value in bringing those surprise factors where people don't know uh what to play around or how to best play against your deck uh, so that's that's what I was going for. Sure, that's almost more like of a mind game than it is the meta game, right? You're you're moving beyond the meta. You're moving into the really into the mind of your opponents and saying, listen, I'm not going to bring the decks that you've played against. I'm not going to play the decks you know how to play around. I'm going to play decks that you are unsure of how to play, and I might not be playing the most optimal deck, but you also don't know how to play optimally against it, um, which is. Uh, very very cool, uh, Jamie. Let's like get in here, man. How are you doing? What have you been playing in Tessel? Um, I haven't actually been playing a huge amount. Uh, I've had stuff going on in the real world lately. Uh, but when I have been playing, it's mostly been uh, Conscription Daggerfall and Conscription Empire, which, okay. although not the traditional Conscription Empire with like Praetorian Commanders and Divine Fervors, um, I'm actually running both shrines, so Transitus Shrine in order to make Namira's Shrine work, um, which, <laughs> it, it, when it works, it generates a lot of value. It's fairly consistent as well it's it's it feels like a fairly strong deck it's not going to be meta defining but it feels like a fairly strong deck oh cool wow you guys are both playing some off meta uh sort of unique things let me what is what the heck does conscription uh daggerfall covenant look like um it's a lot of like your blue mid-range package although well, your Battle Mage Midrange package, kind of. So I've got the sure. Blood Dragons in there. I've got um, Skavens. I've got Alfiq. Although I actually run two Alfiqs, interestingly. I kind of find space for the third. Um, and then also then going into the late game, obviously, I run a single copy of Alter for a bit of extra value generation. I've then got Ice Storms. Um, what's it called? Uh, Fel the Mighty uh, to help like slow down aggressive opponents. And then obviously conscription at the top end for a whole bunch of value there. Aren't and then you supposed it runs... to run a lot of two drops in a conscription deck? I yes. mean, all the cards you told us about are five and above. Uh, well, yeah. And then obviously it's got a conscription package uh, being uh, Luzra as a one-off, obviously, because you can only run one. Uh, the two-mana tutor a item from your deck as a one-off. And then your standard stuff that you see in uh, blue and purple being Harpy, Wardcrafter, Barrow Stalker. Um, I'm trying to think what else is in it actually off the top of my head. 
Uh, I run the one mana Carthspire Scourge, or Scout, is it? It's Scout, right? Yeah, Carthspire Scout, which is the one mana 1-1 one, one with last gasp, draw a card, and increase its cost by one as some extra card draw. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's what works that we got. Yeah, because in Daggerfall, like your conscription, it's not really drawing a whole bunch. So I've got that in there to help counter that a bit. Uh, and then it feels pretty strong. I ended up doing it because I was trying for the longest time to make Daggerfall work. And I was like, I've got to speed it up. I've got to speed it up. And it, it just wouldn't work. Uh, so then I, I went completely the opposite direction and slowed it way down. And it's working out for me. So, hmm. Well, you know, Daggerfall does have the color purple in it, so well, you yeah. can slow it down. And that, that That's the benefit of having purple in your deck. And my week in, in Legends has been great. Um, I, I went up the, to the highest Legend rank that I've been at so far. Um, I took uh, Frenzy's um, uh, Mage, his token Mage, with Alfiq in it up to, uh, I think I took it up to, it was about 130 legend 130, which is the highest. Like for me, I've only been playing, um, like once I get to legend, I've only been trying to push up higher, um, like for two months now. So, um, spiking up to 130 felt pretty, pretty good. That deck felt really, really strong. Um, and then I decided that I really wanted to make the card reanimate work, which is the nine cost purple card that just returns a creature from your graveyard to play. And so I've been toying around with a, a Telvani reanimation deck, which runs a lot of the classic Telvani control cards. Um, but it also runs, uh, uh, it's the chick that when you cast a spell, adds three copies of that spell to your deck that costs zero. Um, and then a lot of cards that let you discard stuff. So you've got camels, you got the guy that lets you draw a card and discard a card. Um, you got discerning thief that lets you draw a card and discard a card. So I can dump my big boys into my graveyard. Um, and then uh, ramp and reanimate them to win the game. And it's terrible. It's a horrible <laughs> deck. It's not good at all. Um, but when it wins, it feels good. And there's nothing that feels better than dropping that um, that uh, that uh, legendary card that lets you copy spells with enough mana left over to reanimate something, shuffling three reanimates into your deck, and then later on drawing a zero-cost return uh, Odoving to play or put zero cost, put Alduin from your graveyard onto the battlefield um, or a zero cost Parthenax. Um, all of those, all of those options are really good when it happens yeah. once every eight games. I can see one of those costing zero being pretty, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So that's been a tremendous amount of fun. Um, not that it's good, but it, it has just been a, a ton of fun. Um, so Kara, you know, I think that it would be really great. I think a lot of listeners, um, or the people who have been listening to the show have really enjoyed sort of like getting to know some of the people who are in the scene. Um, because unlike some other card games where you get to know people who are in the scene a little bit easier, maybe through interviews or whatever have you, um, the Tesla scene is a little bit smaller, a little bit more intimate, but also, um, not as public. So it's, it's harder to get a feel for who people are and, and what they've come from. And we did get a chance to, I think, hear some interviews with you and Lasergician at the Masters series. Um, but I'm just curious to know, like, what what drew you in to card games, to streaming, to competitive play? Um, why Tesla? Why not another card game that you could be playing? Uh, well, when I just started playing card games, I, I started with the most popular one, Hearthstone. It was the first one as well. Uh, and I just like the idea of the card games. I, I stayed with Hearthstone for the longest time. I stayed with Hearthstone for like 
two, maybe three years. Uh, eventually, like usually when I play a game, I stick with it for a very long time. Uh, before Hearthstone, it was League and then Hearthstone and then Tesso. And I think I stayed for at least two to three years with each one of them. Uh, so when I found Hearthstone, I really enjoyed it. Um, until I started investing more and more time and so all the problems that it had, uh, like it's it's really, really hard on the deck building. You're very, you don't have much creativity there. Everyone is playing the same things. Uh, so it's really hard to go off meta. It was really hard to do what I'm doing right now in Teso. Like you can't really, uh, you can't really do something unique that no one else is played and do well with it. Um, and yeah, eventually I decided to, okay, I'm going to have a look around. I'm going to play some other card games. I, the first one that I tried was Tesso, uh, and I did really, really well. I, I, I loved it. Uh, like just as a new player, like being able to build my own deck, like there weren't many guides back then. I mean, not even now there are many guides, but so, so I didn't even, uh, have a look at uh, what a good deck should look like. It just took my Hearthstone knowledge and applied it to Tesso. And I managed to do very well. Uh, I managed to hit Legend. And the same month that I hit Legend, I I immediately shoot to the top ranks of the ladder. Uh, I even got like top two. Like I remember Aini was, uh, managed to finish uh, top one Legend and I was number two. This one month that I hit Legend for the first time, so it was insane to me that I could do that in a, in a new card game, um, just relying on skill. Uh, of course, a lot of things have changed since then, like the game wasn't competitive at all uh, back then, uh, so people weren't really trying uh, to push, so maybe that's why I did as well as I did. Uh, but yeah, like ever since I managed to do that, I, I decided, okay, this is the, the game I'm going to stay with. I, I'm still enjoying it. I enjoy that I can be creative in this game. I I don't feel like I'm limited uh, by the designers. Uh, I mean, sometimes I am, but not too much. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm still enjoying the game. That's why I'm still playing it. Yeah. Well, and you, so you were Masters competitor 2018, Masters mm-hmm. competitor 2019 so tell us a little bit about your experience with that um because i think people they play the game and there are a lot of people who can push to legend in this game um and i think a lot of people are kind of curious like what what does it take to be a pro player like what type of time do you put in how much do you really devote devote to this um because now you've been in the scene for the pro scene for um, you know, if, if Tesla has a pro scene, you're in it, right, for the last couple of years. Um, so what does it take to play at that top, top level in a game like Tesla? Uh, like, it's a hard question to answer. Uh, but if I had to give an answer, it would be something like, uh, okay, you you have to be really critical of, when you lose a game. So I lost this game, what could have done differently? Maybe it was play around the prophecy, maybe it is uh, like take another, like switch the lanes around or uh, maybe go face earlier instead of trading. Uh, Maybe it's uh, something to do with the deck or what if I had this card instead of that card? Uh, So there are really many dimensions to the to the game uh, and you're in control of everything like you're in control of which lane you're playing we are in control of which cards you're putting in 
in you in your uh, list. So a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, a lot of people just uh, want to blame blame factors that are outside their control. But as soon as you realize in, you're in the in the driving seat uh, that you can do well uh, if uh, if you know what you're doing. If you when you make a mistake, you realize it's your mistake and you didn't get high road. Uh, I think that that's gonna like th- that's gonna improve your game plan, uh, like gameplay a lot. Uh, so yeah, like it's mostly about realizing that uh, when you lose, it's because you you did something wrong. It's not because it's something like outside your control happened. Mm. Well, that, that's interesting because what you're saying is really it's not about a, a training regiment or an amount of hours that you play, um, or even a group that you're playing with, but it's really about a mindset. Well, there is there is that as well. Obviously, there is like you you can't expect to be a competitive player if you don't put a lot of hours. Uh, but I honestly I don't think I put that many hours uh, to to get to masters. Uh, if if I had to put a number on it, I would be like maybe two hours a day leading up to the masters, something like this, one to two hours, which is not really a lot. Like I'm working full time as well. I. I'm in no way like uh, committed to Tesla in all my time. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you don't really have to go all the way in. Uh, it's mostly wh- when you're playing the game, you have to play it productively. Uh, but, yeah, like, uh, obviously it helps when, when you're trying to like uh, play with good players. If you're at the top of the ladder and you can practice against uh, better players, you... Uh, like you can get more more out of your practice, uh, so you have to get into the high ranks. Uh, so yeah, Jamie, can you can you speak to any of that? Because I mean, I know that your persona um, as a streamer is, I mean, you're very laid back. You, you don't tend to let a high roll get under your skin. Um, you're pretty analytical as well in terms of your gameplay. You make really creative decks work for you, um, which many people just wouldn't be capable of doing. Um, so, I mean, we're hearing Kara say that there's this mind, this mindset shift that you have to take in order to play at the top level. How does that resonate with you? Um, yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, obviously, I, I don't really play at the top level. Um, I entered uh, the Master Series qualifiers, didn't do particularly well. Um, I also I do things like warp meta and the, the such. Um, but yeah, no, it's I definitely agree. Like the quality of the time you put in is far more important than how much time you put in. Like you could play like all day every day, but if you're just spamming like prophecy battle mage or something and not really thinking about what you're doing, why you're winning, why you're losing, you're not going to get anything from that time. Hmm. Yeah. So how do you guys engage? Like, because this is interesting to me, this mindset issue is interesting to me because some people view it as a grind and um, you can do the same thing over and over again and never learn anything from it. And it doesn't actually benefit you or help you. So it's not just about the time that you put in. It's about the mindset that you bring to it. So can I just ask, like either of you guys, how, how do you make sure that you're coming to the, the game time that you do have with the right mindset? Is there some sort of a ritual? Is it a certain time of the day? Is it the right, most comfortable chair? What is the thing that helps you stay in the right mindset to be learning as you're playing? Carrie, you can well, go first. Okay, well... For me, it is um, okay. So, 
I don't know how to answer it, to be honest, but okay, I'll try my best. Uh, how to stay in the right mindset. Uh, okay, so what I do is, uh, okay, I lost a game. Um, I, I have to go through what led, what led to the loss. Uh, if, if I start to get frustrated, and sometimes I do, sometimes I get frustrated, I get like a series of losses after prophecies, I, I might want to take a break. Um, but if, uh, if if I manage to stay calm, if I manage to think analytically about the game, then then I can see that uh, I, I, I can actually improve. Uh, so maybe, maybe I could have avoided the prophecy. Maybe there was a line I didn't see at the time. Uh, so you have to be you have to be really critical. Yeah, you, you have to be really critical of yourself. Uh, so it's mostly realizing that yeah, you're in control. Uh, so I, I don't know if that made it any clearer. But I think that's... I think it does. It, and one of the interesting things that I found you say is like if I'm if I'm on a losing streak and I'm feeling like I'm getting tilted or upset. I take a break. Do you have a certain amount of game games that you kind of have like a hard set in my brain? Like, okay, if I lose X amount of games in a row, I know I know that I'm going to be getting upset. I know I'm not playing optimally. I just need to take a break. I need to walk away from the game. Well, I wouldn't say there's a certain amount, but after I get like two or three losses in a row, uh, then I definitely feel like that. And that's what usually happens. I just I just closed the game. No more Tesla for today. And yep, done. <laughs> which is a better decision than what some people do, which would lose another three games in a row. And after five, uninstall the game. Um, yeah, I, I've been there as well. I've, I've been like, okay, I, I lost uh, two in a row with this deck. Okay, I'll switch to another deck. I lose three in a row with this deck. Okay, I'll, I'll switch to another deck. And then I, I, I go through my like every deck in existence. And I still can't get of this mindset because it is really the mindset that's holding you back. It's, it's not really the deck. But yeah, like if you realize that, yeah, like you, sometimes it's okay to walk away, like to not feel frustrated with the game. Uh, and when you come back tomorrow, you're going to feel a lot better about it. Now, little Jamie, you're a streamer, so you don't just have to deal with losses. You also have to deal with trolls in your chat. Um, so how do you stay um, positive in the right mindset to be learning from the game and not just getting you know, tilted and checking out? Um, I can't say I've necessarily dealt with trolls in chat too much. I well, that's a very nice thing to say good. about your community. Yeah, that's um, a nice thing to say about them. But I think my mindset is, like, primarily I'm playing this game to enjoy myself. So, like, if I'm just letting anything, like, get under my skin, like, first room prophecy that just ends up auto-lose, it's like, if I'm just going to let all of that stuff get under my skin, then I'm not going to enjoy myself playing the game. So it does sometimes. It It's sometimes unavoidable. If you're not in the best mindset to begin with, then, yeah, that sort of thing is going to get under your skin. And like, like Caracon, I will just walk away from the game if that's happening. Um, like, which obviously when you're streaming is a little bit tougher because it's like I've only been live for 30 minutes but I'm really not feeling this I guess I need <laughs> to keep going uh, when that's happening I'll just I'll pick up the the worst of the worst decks jump into casual just do some really stupid stuff uh, and it just takes your mind off of those first room prophecies that were also losing your games yeah, well, and that helps you too. Like, I, I, I intend to lose this game, so it doesn't feel bad when I do. It only yeah. feels good when I when I do win, you know, instead yeah. of bad when I don't win because I'm, I'm planning on losing it. Um, you know, when I was playing, when I, I came from Hearthstone, and as a Hearthstone player, I dealt with a lot of ladder anxiety. Um, I would I would get so intensely focused on a game um, that after I got done 
win or lose, um, oftentimes I could only play one, two, maybe three games, and I'd have to walk away from it and take a break because I, I had so much anxiety over the next match that I didn't even want to go and play it. And I found myself getting more and more into casual. One of the things that I've sort of learned, I think, in uh, in Tessel is that you will recover, right? Like not, not every game is going to end this way. Um, and yeah. I think that because I've hit legend repeatedly in, in Tessel, um, I haven't felt like, uh, like this overwhelming sense of dread when I go to hit the play button, which is something that I dealt with a lot. And actually I wish I had Endozo on this episode because last episode <laughs> he talked about his coaching and he said in his coaching, a lot of the stuff that he does is actually psychological. It's not just skill building. It's getting into the mind of the player and helping them learn um, from the decisions that they are making from the game and helping them manage and deal with ladder anxiety, um, which I think is a very real thing for some people um, who are playing this game and they want to do well. You, you just, you get so anxious. You get so involved yeah, sometimes. Definitely. Um, you're like, I man, if they don't probably, have this card. and Yeah, it's probably less of a problem in Tesla than it is in, say, Hearthstone, because we have the snake. So you're not just going to plummet all the way back down through the ranks, but it's yeah, definitely it's something that exists and definitely something I know a lot of people deal with. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think having the snake and being stuck at each level once you once you get to it does help people. Because once I'm in the snake, I'm like, I don't care. Like, yeah. I'm in the snake. Don't don't have to care whether I win or lose at this point. And, yeah, uh, I can lose like 10 in a row. It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, now that I'm in the snake, who, who, who really cares? Um well, that's awesome, guys. I, I think that's some some great advice, especially for newer players who might be, you know, just getting into things. Now, we had a suggestion from our Discord um, to talk about specifically class identity. But before we get to class identity, which I think is a great subject to talk about in something like Tessel, I want to talk a little bit about some balance changes that are coming to a couple of cards. We just got this announcement. This is a Wednesday. So we just got this announcement this morning. They're coming out. Um, when this episode releases, and my voice just got awful. Um, they're coming out whenever this episode releases, um, and uh, and so um, well, I don't. I'm not even gonna go over them. Jamie, can you go over the the two cards that we're gonna see changed and what changes we're gonna be seeing to them? Um, sure. So the two changes are Lustra, which is a unique legendary in blue. It's two mana, two three with the text. Uh, when you summon a six-cost or more creature, it and Lothra gain plus two, plus two. Uh, that is being changed so that it reads plus one, plus one, which I think it's a substantial change, obviously, because you're getting two extra sets instead of four extra sets. Um, I think Lothra is definitely still playable after the change, I think, which is good like, I don't think you should nerf cards into the ground because they feel too oppressive. I think you should make nerf them so that they're still playable. Uh, so that's definitely good, in my opinion. Um, it still allows for things like um, necromancer loops, which is part of the thing that I know people were complaining about. Um, but it obviously like also really experienced actually happening that much, though. No, it's not necessarily something that happens all that much. Again, mostly because you don't really play necromancer in two color decks because well i'm not really sure why you just don't really it's more a, a i guess because it's a control card namely uh, well, there's not control. many good two color decks that use purple exactly uh, especially not in control um 
So then it's mostly a tricolor card, which means the odds of having one of those and Lazara are significantly lower. So it's obviously not then something you experience a lot. Um, and then also, I think it's generally just a good change. I think, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess we'll go on to our opinions about it in a minute. And then the other change is Alfie Conjurer, the six mana three four with guard, uh, consumer creature, summon a five three flame atronach. Uh, if you consumed an atronach, then you summon a seven five with ward storm atronach instead. Yeah, uh, that has been changed to. Oh, go ahead. That has been changed to a three three instead yes. of a three four. So we're just getting a, a minus. Zero minus one stats. We're not really seeing a massive change. No. It's uh, quite significant, though. It, it is, is pretty significant. It is a lot more significant than it sounds. Yes, because that means that just the base one, which is a 3-3 three, three and a 5-3, it just dies to Ice Storm. Mm-hmm. Which means your opponent, if they're playing control now, means that they can trade one for one with this card. Yes. Yeah, where before, if they're not, if, you know, if they're playing Ice Storm, they couldn't. They would leave a 3-1 yes. left on the board. Yeah, leave some stuff on the board. Um, so, Kara, tell us, I mean, as a competitive player, obviously we saw a, a pretty significant amount of Battle Mage. We saw a lot of Luzra. We saw a lot of Alphique Conjurer, um, a lot of Blue in the Masters series. So having played against this at the top level, um, what are your what are your initial thoughts on these two card balance okay. changes? I, I completely agree with the Luzra change. Actually, I was anticipating Luzra change more than Alphique change. Um, I, yeah, I, I would probably nerf it in the same way. Uh, if if I had to make the choice, uh, it's I think it's still a very good card. I think it's still gonna see play. Uh, it's just not insanely like just uh, this and a six drop just wins the game anymore, right? It's it's a bit more fairer. Um, so yeah, I I really like the loser change. Um. About the Ophic, I I think maybe I could have seen a nerf, but I don't like this one particularly. So mm. what what I like about Ophic most is it is so good against attrition control. So this is the thing I hate the most playing against. <laughs> like uh, I think that plays a lot of negations, ice storms, javelins, just removing things on curve. Oh god, I hate that. This is such a boring <laughs> playstyle to play against. Uh, and they they can't answer Alphic, right? They they don't have a way to deal with Alphic. They just have to have a game plan other than removing all your things. They have to start going face at some point. Otherwise, they're going to lose the the game to Alphic, and they're going to get overrun by things like that. Um, so I, I enjoyed having Alphic in the meta, but now they actually have an answer well only to the first one uh but they do have an answer so it, it attrition control got a lot better i don't know if it's like it was kind of out of the meta for the for the since musa fairsware was released but i think this this change can bring them back so uh i now think now we can about, uh, i think like this i'm sorry uh, go ahead I'm, I'm talking about attrition control, like a Tribunal Telvani with ice storms removing everything on curve. Yes. Uh, so yeah, this is what I'm talking about that is coming back. Um, because now ice storm is so much more powerful. Um, so how would I change Ophic? Is uh, I would 
keep it as a powerhouse against such uh, control. I would keep it as a something that you can't control, but I would take away the defensive element of it. So you can't plop it down against Agro and expect to, to come down, uh, to, to come back into the game. Uh, just take out a guard. I think that's fine. 3-4 with a guard, with a 5-3 with a guard. It's so much harder to deal with. Uh, well, without a guard, yeah. Uh, so... Uh, but it, it just doesn't do nothing if your opponent is more aggressive, right? Uh, they, they don't have to trade into the outfit anymore. They can just ignore it and start going face. So it is a lot worse, uh, but it's still, it's still it's an insane tempo play that if you have the board, uh, you can really capitalize on it and take the game, and which is something that I, w- I would really want to see more of. Uh, like uh, it's a typical mid-range card. Um, so yeah, so this is my thought. Like I think the nerf is not the worst because if you still summon a seven-five Atronach, it's still really, really good. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just that you have to work a bit harder for it now uh, because the first version is just it's 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 it's, it's not great. A three-three and a five-three. Uh, you really want to summon a Storm Atronach. Uh, you, we might even see some lists go down to two to, to fix and uh, more Atronach synergy, like uh, more Automatons, uh, like uh, everyone playing Triple Tempo Conjurer just to get the 7-5. So I think Alphic is still fine. I think it's still very much playable. Uh, so as far as this is concerned, I think the nerfs uh, managed to do a good job of preserving the playability of both cards while nerfing some of the most annoying elements of them. So yeah, yeah I overall I like the nerfs. Uh, I'll probably do them slightly differently, but I don't completely disagree with them. And yeah, I'm 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 happy with the way things uh, are after the patch. I or at least I anticipate I would be. Okay, a little Jamie, you said, I mean, you shared a couple of your thoughts on Luzra. Um, what are your thoughts on Luzra and, and Alfie? Because obviously this is also a pretty nasty combo. I mean, turn eight Luzra into Alfie summoning a Storm Elemental was incredibly bad to go up against. Yes, and unless you played them in the same lane against a yellow deck that just countered it with a Dawndrath, it just won you the game. Um, well, most of the time it did anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's... I think I think the three three is somewhat significant. Um, I think uh, three three attack is a lot easier for an aggro deck to trade in. Uh, three health rather is a lot easier for an aggro deck to trade into. Um, not hugely, but enough. Uh, it also means that anything with two attack, a crusader's assault, you're getting the breakthrough as well. Um, and there's a lot of two attack creatures in those sorts of decks, uh, so mm-hmm. it is fairly significant um obviously you're still putting a guard in their way which is still slowing them down uh i i agree it's it should be a very mid-range card where it's insane if you have the board but it's kind of underwhelming otherwise um it's not hugely underwhelming otherwise now uh but it's it's worse than it was i suppose uh a lot of decks that are aggro will just get underneath it anyway where they're trying to win by turn six, turn seven, so Alfik isn't necessarily enough of a tempo swing for you. Um, yeah, and then obviously it dies to Ice Storm, which is huge against control decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that um, 
the fact that this thing dies to ice storm is is huge. And one of the things I I do agree with the the idea of removing guard from it may be better than than because it, it shores up one of the weaknesses that mid range BM and mid range decks have had, which is having something on that turn to help you deal with aggro decks. And if you remove guard from it, it gets rid of that that weakness that it's trying to shore up there. Um, at the same time, one of the things I really do like about it is it sort of, it pushes you out of the, well, I can just run Alfiq without any other astronauts because it's strong. It's just a good card and it's always going to be yeah. a good card. And if I get one, it's strong. And if I get two, it's insane. And I don't need any other astronauts in my deck. I think this forces you, like you really want to get the storm astronaut on seven now. Like, you really, 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 or not on seven, on six. Like, you really want, when you drop your first Alphique, you want to be able to consume an astronaut so you can get that Storm astronaut on turn six. Otherwise, this dies to Ice Storm. And I think that it keeps these mid-range decks still super viable, but it says, hey, your early game can't be as optimal because you want to power spike on turn six in this way. And I think that's what Alphique should have done. I think Alphique from the very beginning should have forced you to change your early game up in such a way that allowed you to get the value out of Alphique that you needed to get out of it. So you're sacrificing some early game optimal cards in order to get a bigger power spike in the mid game. And the original version of Alphique did not make you do that. You didn't have to adjust the way that you play the early game at all. Some people tried and they just found that running the automaton and whatever, even if it did go off, it, it didn't make a big enough difference. You were still better off playing some of that um, more aggressive and more proactive early game cards. And I think it's going to force you to play some stuff that's slightly less optimal um, in order to ensure that you're going to get the Alfiq uh, Storm Atronaut on, on six so that you cannot get Ice Stormed. So I still see this being very, very strong against Control because now you're, I don't think that you'll often see Alfiq on six into, into Flame Atronach. I think that when you're playing a deck with Ice Storm, you're going to consistently see Alfiq on six with a Storm Atronach, which is a big, big difference um, than in the, in the control matchup um, anyway. Yeah. So, I, and I, lo I like the change to Luzra, but honestly, my, my problem with Luzra wasn't the attack. It was the health. It just made everything so much beefier. I would actually have preferred them see... Um, Luzra read instead of giving a six cost minion plus one plus one in Luzra plus one. I'd rather see it give a plus two plus zero and make it this like, like, okay, Luzra's not, is never, like, they're not going to be able to trade in and keep buffing up Luzra and keep trading in with Luzra because it keeps buffing it. It's just, it's going to have three health unless you give it an item or buff it some other way. Um, but I don't think that the nerf was bad to it anyway. I, I don't think it makes it unplayable and possibly my suggestion would have made Luzra unplayable. Only a buff to attack may have made it. Possibly. Yeah, yeah I think possibly the Luzra change was going to be one of two ways. It was either going to be what they did or it was going to be to only one of the creatures. It would probably have been Luzra gets the buff. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought it would be one or the other. And obviously they've gone with the plus one plus one. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw some people suggest she only buffs the first creature above six that you summon. Uh, but I, I think that wouldn't have done it. I think she, she needed a bit extra. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's funny because when Luzra first came out, I mean, there was a lot of talk about her being a really powerful card. And I honestly never saw Luzra played very much until we saw Alfiq. 
And then I saw, I mean, am I wrong about that? Was there a lot of Luzra pre-Moons? Well, you definitely see her everywhere in uh, mid-range battle mage. Like, uh, it's just that mid-range battle mage wasn't as popular before Ulfic. So maybe that's why. I, I you definitely would play her alongside like Abnor Tharn or the Bridgeron Giants Cradle Crushes. She's yeah. still insane. Yeah, she was definitely really strong. Maybe it was because just mid BM wasn't as powerful at the time. I think it was. She wasn't really an auto include. She was definitely a strong card, and she was definitely an option for your two drops. But she was never really an auto include. Mm. Okay, Kara, let me ask you this. Um, how do you see this? Um, impacting the meta. I mean, we're, we're going to see these cards still played, and I know it's hard to predict, but, you know, there's no fun in doing a podcast unless you're going to predict and be wrong. Um, so uh, what do you what do you predict this will have? An, how will this have an impact on the meta? I mean, you talked about maybe seeing some of these sort of grindier control decks coming back and becoming more popular. Do you think that's what we're going to see happen? Yeah, I think, I think they are coming back. Uh that there will be more tribunal, I think. I think Telvani would be able to compete now. It was kind of gone for the past month or two. Um, other than that, uh, other mid-range might be able to compete that it doesn't have blue in it, uh, which like, usually what you see is mostly blue mid-range decks right now. So that that's a nice change. Um, I don't know. Do you I, think there's I, any deck that know. can rise up because of these changes? Do you think there's a deck that maybe has been oppressed by the Alfik Luzra combo and um, now can can come up from maybe it was a, a tier two, tier three deck and can rise? I I really don't think so because okay, so the way that Alfik is nerfed. They're making it weaker to Ice Storm, right? And Ice Storm is not something that underplayed decks play. That's something that's been part of the meta for the longest time. Um, so you're really giving an extra, like you're giving decks that have been tier one uh, before uh, an extra way to deal with a fix. So you're really not changing that much. Uh, you're not giving new decks a chance. So I think maybe if you if you nerf this another way to give uh, decks that can get under Ophic a bit more uh, chance, maybe then we'll see something different. But I don't think it will shake up the meta that much. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I really don't know how to predict. Uh, it's possible I'm completely off. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jamie, let's hear some bold, crazy predictions from you as to what oh, will the what will the tweet is I mean, are there any to be really had? Or is this because let's put let's face it, if if this adjustment comes out and the meta doesn't change, then it wasn't enough, right? Um It's it obviously nerfs BM, it makes BM not as impressive uh, not as oppressive, not impressive. Um but it won't be as impressive or oppressive, really. I mean, I suppose not. They both fit. work. Um, mm-hmm. it, it definitely opens the path more for uh, like removal-based tribunal because I think like more mid-rangey board-based tribunal was still very popular, uh, but it definitely opens it up to more control, uh, like traditional control tribunal. 
Um, I think Telvani still has a lot of the issues it used to have, where it just doesn't deal with the ward density that those sorts of decks tend to have mm-hmm. too brilliantly. Um, beyond that, I, I don't really know what's going to happen. I don't think it's going to change anything too much. I think it makes things feel less bad. Um, it, it levels the playing field, but I don't think it changes any tiers drastically. Hmm. Yeah, so some of the decks that were already top tier are just going to be able to compete better with with mid-range. Some of the decks that have historically been tier one are tier two right now may rise back up to being a tier one deck because yeah. it can more properly compete with um, what what the uh, you know mid-range bm is is putting out and it's you know it's interesting because if this if this nerf had come out and it was to one blue card in one red card then we might be able to say oh okay now we're seeing mid-range mage or we're going to see mid-range assassin or we're going to see mid-range sorcerer are going to rise up through now because mid-range bm got a nerf to a red card this was a central red card to the makeup but because they're both to blue it it actually makes I mean, all of those decks, mid-range Sorcerer, mid-range Assassin, mid-range Mage, and mid-range BM, all four of those decks were running Lezra and Alfique. So it hits it, Lezra and Alfique. It hits all four of those decks in the same exact way that, um, you know, it's going to hit the Battle Mage. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I kind of wish we had seen a nerf that was more directed at Battle Mage than it was at Blue, because I really do want to see some experimentation with a more aggro to mid-range sorcerer and i want to see that mid-range assassin be a little bit more viable because i feel like if you're if you're picking blue and you're going mid-range sure there's three other colors you could combine with but they're all just inherently worse than combining it with red they all do similar things they're it's just worse um i mean yeah. yellow with mage you can go wide which you can't do with red that's true but mage you can also go more control oriented with your javelins, Mirac at your top end. Yeah, I uh, mean there are there are Praetorian some other commander. options, which gets into you know our conversation yeah. about class identity some, but um, there are other options. But I just I just feel like you're going to be in the exact same scenario because both of those nerfs went towards blue. Um, if you're looking at those four variations of mid range that have blue in it, you're still just going to say, well, not that any of them are particularly bad, but BM is still just the best. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could literally make mono blue with like one tri- uh, one dual color card, which several people did several times over in Warp Meta over the last few weeks, and did really well with them. Uh, so I think the nerf was definitely needed to blue rather than to battle mage directly. Mm. Yeah, I guess there are some some solo blue or only. Yeah, blue I mean the problem is that is is the same core everywhere. Like you play assassin, yeah. you play battle mage, you just change uh, like I don't know ten cards that are not blue, pretty much, and everything else is the same. So there isn't that much identity going on. It's just blue, right? Yeah. Mm. Ward, a lot of wards in the game right now. Wards. That's why you got to go back to curse and sheer point dragon. That's <laughs> That that that's my that's been my go-to this month. I hit legend with a Dominion control deck um, that was just running all of all of the minus one minus ones basically that I could find because I was just like I am so sick of losing to turn one or turn two Ward Crafter. I can't even describe how sick I am of it. <laughs> Not being able to compete with it, Ward Crafter. I, I'll tell you this. 
I like Ward Capcrafter. Uh, I, I would have rather seen Ward Crafter nerfed than have seen Alfique nerfed. I know that sounds ridiculous. Oh, though, Ward Crafter. I'd love to see Ward Crafter not be able to ward itself. That's that's what I want to see. I want to see Ward Crafter not be able to give itself its ward. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, like I can I can yeah I, I can, can agree that. with that. Uh, but I think that's not happening realistically no. because Ward Crafter has been such a powerhouse for the longest time, and I I think it's fine that classes should have some powerhouses and blue is ward so ward crafter makes sense uh, so i think they'll just leave it the way it is even though if if it was like you're suggesting like just be able to give other creatures uh, ward be a lot fairer i think they just want to keep uh, like the identity of blue as ward so they're mm-hmm. just going to keep ward crafter as it is so let's talk about some class identity because this is a subject that came up in our discord i think something that's important for us to have a conversation about as well um class identity is a big issue in elder scrolls legends um if you think about other card games that people are familiar with if you think about um you know like hearthstone um you know you had the hunter's class identity was pretty clearly marked out as almost always being aggro i don't know if that's the case now but when i was playing it that's what it was mage had the ability to control the board and to burn um you know you had um warrior which had the ability to control the board through armor unless you played in the one meta that had pirates and then you quit playing like me. Um, and so there, there's all of these <laughs> That's different That's the meta. I quit playing as well. Pirates. Oh, uh, yes. Yar. <laughs> the worst. Absolute worst. So there's all of these different um, ideas about identity. And I think that when I started playing Tessel, when we were in a dual Keller only meta, um, there was great class identity. So I'm just going to go over real quick, and, and I'll let you guys chime in too and correct me if I'm wrong, but we have five colors. Um, and so uh, in those five colors, there are different identities, but then those identities, not only are there different identities in the colors, um, overall, there's different identities in the races, which is very important. For example, both blue and purple run ward, um, but the racial uh, identification for that is the Bretons. The Breton race has a lot of wards and so yeah. if you have bretons you're going to be functioning boards so let's go through the colors red this is sort of like the aggressive color right that's been its identity yeah. if you want to play aggression you have most red. card games that use a red <laughs> yes blue um you were looking at uh for for quite a long time ward was part of its identity um but it, it but really like you're playing a value game um blue had a lot of pretty good value cards you think about like daggerfall mage and things where you were getting some value out of out of the cards you're playing you didn't play the strongest creatures but they were pretty tricky yellow um you had really one of two identities to go with you were either playing control because of javelin or you were playing tokens because of the imperials that are in that set um if you were playing uh purple um you were really playing one of two identities in there and that is um you know mana or uh, mana manipulation or resource manipulation that you can go with the argonians um or uh you were playing just like overstated minions right endurance just beefy things um is another part of their identity um and then i skipped green in there so the green identity was really i think lethal was a big part of green's identity um throughout the time that we have it am i missing anything there guys uh, I'd say stat reduction is kind of a thing for green as well. But then, okay. yeah, yeah, that's fair. As well. mm-hmm. 
Kara, are we missing anything that was in sort of like the base five Kellers, if you would understand their identity from the, the base uh, five? I would say red is not just aggro. It has it has a lot of pinks as well, uh, like Skavens, Gredo Crushes, like all that. Uh, I think that's a big part of it as well. That's true. You do have um, the, the arrow that deals one damage. If you don't kill it, you draw a card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of pings in that in red. Um, that you didn't have. So then on top of that, we also have the racial identity. And the racial identity has uh, historically was split between two different Kellers, right? So you have Nords. Their racial identity was breaking runes. You would gain things by breaking runes. That split between yellow and red. Bretons, manipulation of wards and the ability to gain stuff when your wards are broken. That's in purple and blue. Argonians, um, that was going to be mana manipulation. That's going to be in green and in purple. And so uh, I, there's a couple of others, of course, in there too. I don't really know what, I guess the wood elf identity was being able to gain a bonus whenever you were in a, against an enemy that in the lane that was um, damaged. But I, I honestly think that that has been kind of next like i feel like wood, wood elf, elf has completely lost their identity pings rather than being able to gain the bonus or yeah pings and then value off of that uh then you've also got uh red guards which is items in battle mage colors mm-hmm. um trying to think what else there is off the top of my head Could yeah you have with the pilfer yeah, yeah have the pilfer, pilfer, and obviously. that's gonna be in yellow and green um, and then you have uh, high elves, which are going to be in blue and yellow, and those have some sort of most of them have synergy with actions of some sort, some sort of sort of battle between uh, splitting your deck between actions and in synergistic cards with actions. And then the Dunmore are the dark elves. Um, and what color are dark elves? Are they uh, blue green? Gasp. So they're uh, oh, blue and yeah and green blue green so you have these sort of like key mechanics right the rune breaking the last gasp these key mechanics that are associated with races that would then also be split between two different uh two different color combinations to form help form the identity of some of these different classes um but if you guys were to look over i mean kara why don't you just tell us from your perspective um some of the the identity around some of the base dual color classes go over some of those dual color classes and just what do you think or what do you what do you see as the identity of those classes as of today uh, right so uh if you're a new player maybe you don't know that but there was a time where we only had dual colors we didn't have tri color classes so you are only allowed to combine two colors and play 50 card uh, decks uh and I, and that's when i started playing so what what was it uh, back then? Uh, you had a lot more class identity. For example, Mage was known as the control cower. So this is uh, all the point and click removal like javelins, uh, but also it had the uh, value uh, finish off effects like fireboats and ice storms. Um, but it, it did have weaknesses. For example, it couldn't uh, deal with supports. Like you play like a Rodgar uh, Forge and you just win because Mage can't ever yeah. do deal with that. <laughs> that. That was a lot of fun. Like you, you lose to 70% of the ladder, but because 30% of the ladder was Mage, you just win because you include a Rodgar Forge in your deck. <laughs> uh, so 
Yeah, so Mage was that. Uh, there is Scout, uh, which is the ramp cover. Uh, so you, you try to cheat magic, uh, like, uh, and bring uh, hefty, like, uh, like big guys earlier than you're supposed to. Um, also big guards. Uh, so there is also Sorcerer, which is kind of like the play on curve uh, mid-range uh, deck. Uh, doesn't have like too many combat tricks. I mean, it does have some like Wordcrafter, but you just play over started things on curve. Yeah. Um, what else is there? There is Spell Sword, which is traditionally known as the worst cover <laughs> in the game. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so you, oh. yeah, so you try not to play that. <laughs> <laughs> there is monk, uh, which is uh, the probably second the worst. second worst. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you play pilfer, it's pretty fun there. Um, uh, okay, so what am I missing? Uh, there is battle mage. Uh, so battle mage is mid range. So pretty much uh, looks uh, what it looks right now. It, it, it just now it has a bit more tools. Uh, it's a mid-range with a lot of tempo ways to uh, a lot of ways to flip the tempo like Blizzard Giants, uh, World Crafter, uh, Breton Conjurer. It has a lot of combo tricks as uh, combat tricks as well, so it, it's very fun to play. Um, yeah, Crusader. Warrior. Yeah, Crusader, Warrior, Assassin. Crusader, those... Warrior, Assassin. Okay, so Warrior, it is um, it's kind of like Sorcerer. Uh, that it plays uh, big things on curve, but it is a bit more aggressive. Um, yeah, it has a bit more reach so, than Sorcerer does yeah. traditionally. Yeah, it has more reach. Um, and it has orcs. Yeah. Yep. There That's the well. orcs class. Yeah. Uh, there is, uh, what was it, Assassin? Mm-hmm. Assassins, okay, so what would be the identity of Assassin? Uh, Assassins had a lot of different identities. I mean, there was an altar assassin at one point that was completely different than the other assassin. There's been burn assassin. There's been some aggro assassin. There's some mid-range assassin. Assassin has had a lot of different identities throughout the years. Yeah, yeah. He's been changing things. Like, for example, the burn assassin that you see right now, well, when was market was a thing and the more aggressive version that came after that, uh, after the market nerf, that, that was not existent back in the days. Uh, so back in the days, people were only playing maybe Last Gasp shenanigans. Uh, not very good, but quite fun. Alter shenanigans, not very good, but fun as well. And then it kind of like as more cards got printed, it developed new identities. And now it's a lot more playable. Um, and there is Crusader. Uh, Crusader is the aggro. Uh, it is it's just straight up aggro, yeah. like with a lot of resource extension and uh, really good uh, dual color cards. Uh, it's uh, yeah. So if you want to hit face, this is the class for you. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's still true. Yeah, like yeah. it's such a good aggro deck that even in a tricolor meta, Crusader's still the deck that you should be playing if you want to play aggressive because. You can get away with Battle Mage, but probably Crusader is is it. So, um, Jamie, what do you have to add to that? Or can you speak to then what happened to our class identity? Because well, First of all, I'll add to it by pointing out Archer. Um, oh, yeah, that is more, one of them. <laughs> <laughs> which is all about, I guess, well, it's kind of the identity of Archer. It's kind of like lethal ping Archer, right? That's kind of its big identity. 
I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I think it it combines some of the movement that you would have seen in Monk, yeah. which I guess was part of Green's identity too, right? Movement. It's the only class that moves stuff from lane to lane. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Archer definitely the, the Archer's Gambit is the thing that gave Archer a lot of its identity. Yeah. Definitely. Well, Archer was a like okay. So when I just started playing, Archer was everywhere. Mid range Archer. It was considered the best deck by a lot of players. Uh, and it was a very aggressive deck that would get on the board early and stay ahead. Uh, it, it was very bad at playing from behind, but it almost never played from behind. Uh, so with a lot of curses. Uh, and uh, so if, if you looked at the archer that I brought to the master, so this is kind of the idea that it was back in the days. Um, like just a lot of tempo plays, um, not not kind like, kind of like a battle mage in in the sense that it has a lot of tempo plays, but it's different kind of tempo. It has a lot of like uh, curses with leaf workers uh, instead of the ward effects. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know something that then I think one of the reasons that we're talking about this is because I do have. A lot of people who listen to the show who are newer to the game, they're newer players, and they're just like, what What do I do? Like, what do I play if I want to play Control, for example? Because Guildsworn can control, and Empire can control, Dominion can control, Talani can control, um, really, all of them can. Like, now not all Dual Keller if you wanted to play control back in the day, you didn't play Crusader or you, you could, I guess Crusader is a, a really horrible example there um, because you could, but there there's like the worst, like the worst example that I could have chosen was Crusader and I picked it. Um, but there were certain classes that you didn't play. For example, if you wanted to play a control deck, um, but now that doesn't seem the case. And I think it's hard for people to kind of get their mind wrapped around like, okay, I know what play style I like, how do I choose what cards to begin collecting? What one is the best? And even for me as a player who's been playing this for a while, I'm like, I have no idea. Like, okay, I know I want to play a sort of token-based strategy. Do I want to play Rhetoran? Do I want to play Empire? Do I want to play... I know I want to play Yellow, but I have, what, six, seven options to choose from now. Um, Jamie, can you can you speak to that all? Kind of like, what happened to class identity, and how did the Tri-Keller meta affect that? Oh... Class identity, I feel like it's obviously yes. You've got these overarching themes that it is like this class does this thing, but it's more than defined by the class's weaknesses. So like we said before, mage doesn't have support removal. Um, likewise, nor does assassin. Spell sword can't draw, um, which ironically it can now, but you know. Uh, well, the spell sword can't finish things off. That was yeah. like you, you do a value spell sword has no and, reach. Yeah, yeah, like you, you just mm-hmm. you just can't punish that. Yeah. Um, but but then obviously when you're then combining two, you combine two to counteract those weaknesses. Where one's weakness is the other strength, and then you get things like, uh, well, tribunal. Um, spell sword can't finish things off. Blue is very good at finishing things off. Um, with well, mm-hmm. blue, yellow, well, blue generally having things like Firebolt um, and Ice Storm. Uh, you've then got Negation in blue, purple, uh, and su- such like that. And Mage doesn't have control re- or support removal, and suddenly now and you have Shadow Fan Priest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, um, also the Edict of Azura. And yeah, and Edict as well from Spellsword. Yes, that's true. Um. So and then, I mean, yeah. what, where, where, like, if if you have any advice for new players when they're trying to figure out what class does what, um, is the suggestion to just look into two Keller decks and start there? Um. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I mean, if if you are a new player and you're struggling for collection, yeah, definitely it would be easier to start with dual color. Uh, but as as you learn more about the game uh, and you start building towards a collection, you can you should definitely try expanding to a third color, uh, yeah. especially if you're a control player. Like control in dual color is. Uh, Really hard to pull. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's really hard to pull off right now. And uh, it feels like you're just like you're just doing it because you're stubborn, not because it's better than Tricolor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that tends to be where most of my decks come from. <laughs> <laughs> just being stubborn. I'm gonna yeah. make this work. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, but if you if you like mid range or aggro. You you have a lot more options for sure, yeah. uh, and in that case, I would definitely start with duo because it's cheaper to make. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also as a new player, like control generally is a pretty expensive archetype to try and make. There's a lot of epics and legendaries that go into a control deck, whereas especially aggro, like you can make a pretty functional aggro deck with like one legendary and like three epics. Yeah, so. often. Withered Hand Cultist. That's your three yeah. epics, usually. Is Withered, withered Hand well, Cultist. I would imagine I'll start with tokens and just hiring fervors. Like, you don't need more yeah, epics, right? Maybe Cloud Rest. You don't even need legendaries in tokens. No. That's true. That is true. Cloud Rest Illusionist is one of those cards that can just blow out a game. I mean, just... You thought that you were recovering. It can be that is a game-ending card. If you're gonna play yellow and you're gonna play anything aggressive, Cloud Rest Illusionist is just an absolute must-have card. And keep in mind that sometimes when you get it off the prophecy, you don't want to play it off the prophecy. Sometimes yeah. Cloud Rest is better to be keeping in your keep it in your hand and use it later um, than it is to play it right off of that prophecy. Um, yeah. Well, Kara, how about you? Do you have advice for somebody who's maybe getting into the game? They're seeing these, what is it now, 10 different classes. They're just overwhelmed and don't really know where to get started and don't know which Tricolor class does what well. Oh, so now we're getting to the Tricolors. Okay, so the Tricolors, there is a lot of uh, overlap in the Tricolors. Uh, so a lot of them do similar things like uh, well some of them are kind of like you can only do one thing for example Daggerfall I can't imagine doing a control Daggerfall uh, okay I know Jamie is playing <laughs> Daggerfall isn't that one of your decks like Jamie said, is I'm control but I, I can't see that being meta. <laughs> um, so yeah, so if you're playing Daggerfall, you're going to be playing aggro or mid-range at best, like really fast mid-range. Uh, they go kind of the same, more slower mid-range, uh, a bit harder. Is, uh, aggro is a bit uh, harder to pull off, but it's definitely possible. 
Um, so yeah, so it is mostly about identifying the play style that you enjoy. So do you enjoy just going to the face uh, and uh, playing your cards as soon as possible? Uh, do you enjoy getting a bit more value out of your things, uh, but not uh, letting the games uh, go on for too long? So maybe you're looking for 10, maximum 15 minutes games, then midrange is the color, uh, is midrange is the play style for you. Or if you just want to play more reactively, try to answer what your opponent is doing and just play for value and be able to get a lot of big things uh, at the end of the game, then control is your option. Uh, and once you know what you want to do, uh, then you can start looking at classes because there is some identity, even though there are some classes uh, that can do uh, like several things at once. Uh, mm-hmm. Like for, ex- for example, Guildsorn uh, can do midrange, it can do control pretty well as well. Uh, yeah. Agro, is, maybe, but not so much. Yeah, yeah, just about. They're they're better options, I think. Yeah. But it 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 can be definitely playable in top ranks as well. So uh, um, we're, let's let's close the show with me doing this. And um, I didn't tell you guys I was going to do this, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, we're going to start with Jamie, and and then go to Kara. I'm going to ask you, okay, if I play. I want to play aggro, then I'm going to ask about mid-range, then I'm going to ask about control. I want you to give me, if I ask you, I want to play aggro, give me the the top tricolor deck that you would recommend for a new player who's starting to build a collection, right? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about playing aggro. I like aggro. So, um, Jamie, what tricolor deck would you recommend me crafting cards into and starting to focus on if I want to play aggro? It's got to be the Halalu or Redoran, um, I think. Halalu or Redoran. Yeah. Uh, so Halalu is green, good. white. Halalu is green, white, red. And Redoran is white, red, purple. Uh, yes. Yellow, not okay. white, but yes. Yes. Um, okay. Sorry. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you've, got, you've got your Crusader core in both of those, which is just, it, it is the best option for aggro. Nine times out of ten. And then uh, you've got, you're either adding green to it, which can give you a bit of reach, it can give you um, even more resource extension, uh, or you're adding purple, which is just, it's bigger bodies, it's more resilience. Okay. How about you, Karev? I'm a new player, I want to play aggro, what tricolor should I focus on? I I think Redoran is the best one uh, for aggro. Redoran. Okay, Jamie, going to mid-range now. I want to play a mid-range. I'm going to be a mid-range player. I'm new to the game. What tricolor class should I be focusing on as a mid-range player? Guildsworn. Definitely Guildsworn. Guildsworn. Yeah. That's yellow. Okay, yellow, blue, <coughs> red. Yes. Yellow, blue, red. So still got the Crusader package, but still now we've added blue for some. It's it's some what we've trips. added. We've added battle mage to mage, rather than mm. Crusader to anything, but. I guess you okay. do have the Crusader package because you probably still run Crusaders Assault in it. Yeah, that's true. Kara, I want to play uh, mid-range. What tricolor deck do you recommend I play? Focus on. Well, I like to play my mid-range a bit more aggressive. Uh, and Guildsorn is a bit more... I mean, I'll still go with mid-range, but it's more defensive. 
so I would go with Dagov. Uh, it's, okay. it's more aggressive mid-range. Red, green, blue. More aggressive yep. mid-range is Dagoth. Okay, I want to play Control. Um, and now this, this is, I saved the hardest one for last, if you noticed. I want to play Control. I want to play Tri-Keller. Jamie, what color should I be playing? Um, depends what sort of control you want to play, I suppose. Um, if you just want traditional point-and-click control, Tribunal. It, it just does it better than anything else, uh, which is blue, yellow, purple. Uh, if you want, I don't know, that's a very reactive type of control. Um, you can get, if you want to run scout colors, I think for control, you probably just want blue for it. So Telvani, um, I think that's, again, another pretty good control. Although, as we were saying earlier, I don't think it's in the best places because it doesn't deal with wards particularly brilliantly. And there's a lot of those around at the moment. Um, so, yeah one of those two i'd say probably just tribunal Kara, if i wanted to play control and i want to play with three colors what class do you think i should be playing i think that's easy pick for tribunal yeah. easy pick for tribunal yeah that's probably the easiest out of the three <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay fourth trick question jamie i want to play dragons what color combination oh, am i oh. using dragon well for a start, you're not a new player because there's no way that you're running dragons as a new <laughs> player. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like I want spell sword, and then I probably want red. So I guess redoran. Uh, redoran, dragon. Redoran or halalu, which yeah, weirdly enough, because that's not an aggro deck, and yet they were my picks for aggro. <laughs> they're also your picks for dragon this isn't the most optimal deck now Kara. this isn't going to this isn't going to uh the master series but if you're playing dragons what three colors are you playing you definitely want red uh, because the red lookout is the best the green one is really up there as well so you want archer i think probably halau because you can get the yeah. Cow Grontrit or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. the new one, which is pretty fun. So yeah, I'll go with Halal. Yeah. Okay. The reason well, I say Redoran potentially over that is because uh Cow Grontid into a Skeletal Dragon is quite a big power spike. And I think Skeletal Dragon is probably one of the best pulls from it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Except it's awful when you have to play it and not pull it from Gold. Oh yes. Yeah. There is that. <laughs> you hate playing it. Unless it's coming from Cogantine. I'm going to chime in on this one because I'm I'm not the expert that these guys are. But if I had to choose dragons, the dragons that I'm playing are going to be Dominion. Um, I want to play Cogantine. I want to be able to play um, Undying Dragons. And I also want to be able to play Shearpoint Dragons. I want the control of the yellow. Um, I want the minus one, minus ones of, of green. I want... Uh, what is the third color? Oh, in the blue, I want the removal and the ability um, to just play Lanath and be able to go get Kalgrantid. Um, I'm either playing that or I'm playing Empire because I want to splash purple um, to be able to resurrect my dragons and bring them back with soul tears. Um, so the good news is the most diverse thing you could possibly play with right now is dragons. Um, so... <laughs> If if you want diversity, Dragons is the way to go. Guys, this was an awesome episode. Thank you so much, both Before of you, for coming do, on. I think with the new monthly card having been revealed, which oh, tricolor do you pick I to play crabs? Oh, I forgot about the new monthly <laughs> card. 
How do we not talk about that? Do you guys each have like two more minutes? We can each give a quick synopsis on what we think about this new crab card. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, what is it? It's like Salty Salty Jones's Locker or something. I don't remember the name of it. Salty Assault something? There's something, right. Okay, so what it does, right, is when you play it, it summons a copy of each mud crab in your deck. Am I right? Yes. Yep. Is that what it is? It it costs five. five. Yeah, neutral action. Summon uh, a copy of each. uh, Well, it's not a copy. Just summon one of each mud crab in your deck. Okay, so Kara, is this card useful for anything other than streamers to meme with? I yeah, I think it's playable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, you have format, uh, you have format crabs. So you have Uncle Snapper, you have Enraged Mod Crab, you have the Merchant, and you have the Universal Mod Crab Automaton. Uh, <laughs> oh, so. Well, don't you have just a basic 2-1, 1-mana one 2-1 Mudcrab as yeah, well? Yeah, that's Enraged Mudcrab. Yeah, Enraged Mudcrab, which is, is pretty bad. Like, I, I'm not sure it even goes into that deck. No, Maybe as a 1-off, <laughs> you can play it. Is there a Mudcrab in red, too? Isn't there a Mudcrab in red? No, no, it's just those four neutral, just terrible... Just four neutral ones. Just four neutral ones. But I think, like... If you manage to put those three, uh, it's it's a pretty good card. And then if you start thinking about synergies, maybe you want to have further on the board, like further into this, that's pretty good. Uh, so I think there is potential. Uh, so it, it, just it, as a tempo play, if you calculate the amount of stats you put on the board, as well as the draw from the merchant, you, you're getting pretty yeah, decent value. Yeah. Also, you know, it... You're grabbing your reflective automaton and it curves into our feet. What more do you need? <laughs> <laughs> this is stretching. That's, that's real stubbornness. That's stubbornness, Jamie. This work. So are, you excited, are you excited for this card for any reason outside of the memes, Jamie? No. no. <laughs> Purely okay. the memes. I wish this card said, summon up to three mud crab merchants from your deck. I wish I wish that's what it said. That if you kept all three in your deck, you could play this and summon all three of them to the board at once, oh, and just just chaos. I think that would be really funny. But um, my opinion of this card is it's just hot trash. <laughs> just hot trash. I don't. I like that Kara's optimistic. I think it's playable. Honestly, I think, I think it's, it's, it's like if you look at neutral package decks, they're almost good enough to be competitive. Uh, like in the first qualifier for the Master Series, I just got destroyed by someone who was running uh, the neutral package in four of, his, four of his decks. No, it was just four uh, decks, four Dwimmer decks. I got destroyed yeah. uh, first round. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, it and, yeah, it happens. Uh, so they, they're already almost competitively playable and you, when you have something like this um i i think it's pretty up there i think it's yeah. it has potential definitely think it's not garbage i think uh, it's uh, can definitely bring it to the top of the ladder i think if you try it hard enough it's definitely playable. here's my one disappointment about the future of tesla now with the creation of this card in the introduction into the game i will never get a giant 
legendary mud crab that I can play in my deck. It'll never, ever happen now. That means that forever, I'm never going to get like a a 10 mana 9-9 mud crab with charge or something. Like it's never, I'm never going to get that. It's, it's a possibility. Like you just make that a unique legendary and then you change it so that it reads the same of Colossus. So it says one of each non-unique okay. mud crab in your deck. <laughs> okay. I mean, well, yeah. if they could, they could release my mud crab in the future and nerf <laughs> this <laughs> Salty man's locker <laughs> card, whatever. <laughs> salty. Uh, Davy Jones is salty. Well, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I read this card and I literally forgot they even released it. That's how much I didn't like it. I completely. Oh, I, I'm supposed to be covering the news of the game. Didn't even remember it got released <laughs> until you mentioned it. Well, hey guys, it's been about oh, what we've been recording for about almost uh, an hour and 20 minutes now. Um, let's work on getting out of here. Um, Jamie, if people want to get connected to you and what you're doing, how can they get connected to you? Uh, twitch.tv forward slash a little Jamie and the same tag on Twitter. I assume it's probably spelt the same as in the title of this podcast, assuming you've spelt it correctly. Uh, it's not the hardest thing to spell, so probably. <laughs> so yeah, Twitch or Twitter, they're probably the best places to get a hold of me. Great, great. Okay, Karak and Zor, how can people uh, get a hold of you or get connected with what you're doing out there? Yeah, I'm I'm on Twitch and Twitter as well. Uh, so my name is a bit more difficult to spell <laughs> so you might want to copy that to make sure you spell it correctly but yeah you can find me on twitch you can find me on uh, twitter if you want to get in touch awesome um so definitely check out those two guys check out their things check out what they're they're putting together um if you want to get connected with the podcast and with me you can do that in a couple of ways one you can email us at eslegendscast at gmail.com um you can't find me on the on the social medias because i don't have any of them um but you can also find us out uh, find us on discord and our discord channel has actually been really really active um with some new people joining it's also a great place just to get connected with a lot of everyone who's been on the show i think with the exception of ian bits is in that channel and so it's a great place to get connected in a small community with a lot of the streamers competitive players and content creators um we have a deck tech channel and all sorts of stuff um and some really great people there so you can get connected with it that way um the last thing is uh, in my day-to-day life i'm a pastor of a church and so my heart is to support the community of of tessel uh, both in listening and prayer and so if you're in a season in life or you're just in a dark place i know the online world can be a place where we get connected but also a place of a lot of isolation and so if you're in a bad place emotionally or spiritually um, you need someone to listen to you. I'm here to listen to you. If you need someone to pray for you, email us, join the Discord, and just get checked into our community. I'd love to be praying for you actively and uh, and uh, be there to be a listening ear during uh, difficult times. So just know that you are absolutely not alone. Um, that's going to do it, I think, for us here for episode 12. Uh, Jamie or Kara, either you guys have anything you'd like to share on our way out? No, nothing to add, I don't think. Yeah, okay. thanks for listening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And thank you guys once again so much for uh, joining us uh, for this episode. Be sure to check out TeamRankStar.com and check all the other Tesla stuff that's going on there. And Inked Gaming, um, both of them help to sponsor this show. And you can use the code TRS12 um, uh, at Inked Gaming to get 12% off your next piece of customized gaming gear. Make sure you check them out. And thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening. And that's going to wrap up episode 12 of Legends Cast. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, 
the meta, and the community of Elder Scrolls Legends. If you want to support Legends Cast, you can always leave us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, or you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash legendscast. Be sure to come back next week and make sure that you check out our sponsor, both Inked Gaming and Team Rankstar at teamrankstar.com.